Interesting poll result on the old anal printing. <laughs> Still not used to hearing the words anal printing <laughs> together in the same sentence. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ted, Ted took a double take when that segment started playing in the car. I found it difficult to explain <laughs> to the people in my life who I talked about my week. Um, for context here, we asked if uh, people would use a butt-scanning loo for the sake of science uh, after a butt-scanning loo won an Ig Nobel Prize. Just 67%, two-thirds of you said that you would, and 33% said no. Look at that. Yeah, and almost more interestingly, no one emailed in to explain their <laughs> thoughts or their work. I'm really disappointed by that, but... Mm. Um, Hey, you can't always get what you want. Anyway, let's get to the show. Kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. Petrol prices look set to hit 3 bucks 50 by Christmas. What's pumping up the prices, and how long will they stay that high? We're also deep diving into an accusation of state-sanctioned assassination after a Canadian Sikh was shot dead in British Columbia. And it was a question that had both leaders foiled during Tuesday night's leaders' debate. What is your favourite book? Finally, the soon-to-be hibernating chonksters who are taking the hotly anticipated Fat Bear Week very seriously indeed. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. It's time to chat petrol, because prices at the pump are expected to hit $3.50 a litre by Christmas. Not a present anyone wants or needs from Santa in this cost of living crisis. Brad Olson from Infometrics is here now to break this all down for us. Welcome back to the pod. Kia ora. Brad, I mean, are we just in a bad moment here, or is this reality from here on out? Well, it does seem to be a little bit of reality that at the very least we can't control. Uh, New Zealand doesn't make fuel, uh, certainly not in the quantities that the rest of the world uses it. And the places that do, particularly uh, the likes of uh, Russia, the likes of Saudi Arabia, they control a lot more of the supply. Now, classic economics says that if you decrease the supply and there's still the same level of demand, you're going to see those prices increase. And that's what is effectively happening. Saudi Arabia, Russia have said, look, we're going to cut back on supply because we want that price to be higher. We make money as a country off fuel uh, and that's continued to push those crude oil prices up. Of course, if your input materials for petrol have gone up, then of course that's going to increase the cost of the pump. So all of that means now that uh, you've got international oil prices over $90 a barrel. Uh, That means that domestically you're paying well over $3, around $3.12 a litre for 91 at the moment. Uh, It's pretty ugly stuff, but it does seem to be a little bit of the new reality for the time being. And are those the only elements at play here or are there other things too? There are some other things as well. Uh, You look at the likes of US stocks. So, of course, uh, often people have been thinking over the last year that the global economy wasn't going to be as strong, that the US economy itself wasn't going to be as strong. If that's the case, everyone was going, how much fuel do I need to store up? Probably not as much. Instead, the US economy has been going a lot better. And so, in fact, they've been using a lot more fuel than expected. And because of that as well, uh, you haven't had as many refineries ready to try and uh, get through all of this fuel. Uh, They've been, you know, planning on smaller volumes. They're getting bigger volumes. That means, that again, the cost of refining has increased as well. It's sort of gone on and on and on. The last bit here in New Zealand is that the emissions trading scheme cost, the cost of a New Zealand unit of carbon emissions, has increased as well over the last couple of months. And Brad, that increased cost of 
petrol. That that bleeds through to other areas of economic life, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, if you're a household, of course, it's a pretty key uh, element of what you're spending on every week. Um, it's one of the sort of what I would call almost the three essentials. You know, you put food on the table, you put fuel in the car, you put a roof over your head by paying a mortgage or paying the rent. Uh, so it's one of those big costs that are coming through. Of course, for the wider economy, though, if you're trying to move any physical good around, mm. uh, that's increasing prices as well. What, if anything, could bring those prices down? Realistically, uh, you could well find at the end of this year, maybe the start of next year, if the global economy does start to weaken, uh, interest rates have been going up not only here in New Zealand but across the board globally, those sort of economic hits could see fuel maybe not increase at the same pace. But given where we're at at the moment, given uh, how costly it is, we're not seeing fuel prices going back to you know $2 a litre anytime soon. But at the moment, that $3 mark seems unfortunately uh, to be a bit of a base case for the next couple of months. And Bridges, while well, you're here, you know, it's Thursday, the GDP figures are out later today. What is your pick? Do you think it will show us in recession or out? No, I think we're going to move out of recession with a 0.8% increase as the current Infometrics pick. There's a lot of ups and downs, though, the likes mm-hmm. of Construction activity contracted 0.1%. Retail trade was down one percentage point. But you've had other parts of the economy as well that seem to have bounced back after that sort of hit from the likes of the cyclones and the poor weather at the start of the year. Really, though, you've had so many more people that have moved into New Zealand, nearly 100,000 over the last year. They're all uh, trying to work, but more importantly, they're all requiring goods and services. They're spending more in the economy. That's likely to have lifted us up. So although we're expecting economic growth now to be coming forward, because the population, really, once you strip out that sort of population adjustment, we're probably still going backwards. Brad Olson, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, so usually we ask you to vote on a poll on Instagram, but today we want something a little bit different. Today we want you to send us a voice message of support for the Warriors. It could be as simple as you saying... We want as many of you as possible sending them in. So go on, send it to us on Instagram, newsable NZ, or flick it to us in an email if you'd rather, newsable at staff.co.nz. Go on, give us your loudest and your proudest. Let's talk now about this wild story developing on the other side of the world involving Canada and India and uh, I guess you would say accusations of state-sanctioned assassination. I can't really think of many other ways to put Mm. it, uh, to be honest. Um, Anyway, Imo has been reading up on this. What's the story? Okay, so back in June, a Canadian Sikh, Hardeep Singh Nijar, was shot dead outside a temple in the Canadian province of British Columbia. Now, Nijar was a controversial figure in India. He was a campaigner for Sikh rights and had called for an independent Sikh nation, Khalistan, to be carved out of the Punjab region of India. The majority of the population in Punjab is Sikh and it has a pretty complicated and violent history of separatist movements, especially in the 80s and 90s. Because of his outspoken support for Khalistan, Nijar had been designated a terrorist by the Indian government and was wanted by the authorities back in India for allegedly planning to kill a Hindu priest. Okay, so why does Canada think that Indian government agents are responsible for this murder? We don't really know exactly, but Justin Trudeau, the Canadian Prime Minister, took the astonishing step of making this statement to the House of Commons. I want now to speak with all Canadians. Over the past number of weeks, Canadian security agencies have been actively pursuing 
credible allegations of a potential link between agents of the government of India and the killing of a Canadian citizen, Hardeep Singh Nijar. Canada is a rule of law country. The protection of our citizens and defence of our sovereignty are fundamental. Now, after that, Canada's foreign minister took the step of expelling a high-level Indian diplomat and said the Canadian government expects the Indian government to cooperate in getting to the bottom of what's happened here. Important point to mention is that there are a lot of expat Indians living in Canada, about 1.4 million, with more than half of those people identifying as Sikhs. Okay, and so what has India had to say about all this? It rejects the accusations and has characterised them as an historic low in the generally cordial relations between these two countries. It also took the step of expelling a high-ranking Canadian diplomat Diplomat, a bit of a tit for tat, as you can see. Okay, so where do we go from here? What happens now? Well, it is hard to say. Canada and India were negotiating a free trade agreement, but as you'd imagine, that is now on ice. There's definitely more to come on this story, though. You very rarely hear these sorts of accusations made so strongly and so publicly, so definitely something we'll be keeping an eye on. Hey, we're still going to be talking about a moment of infamy in Tuesday evening's political leaders debate. But while we've got you here, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, do remember to chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. It helps other people to find us and it improves your taste in books. Emma, what's your favourite book out of interest? Well, I have a habit of calling... Whatever book was the last book I read, my favourite book, like I'll finish it and I'll be like, nah, that's, that is it. Right. But if I had to pick, which you've asked me to do, so I should I have, have probably yeah. led with these answers, uh, it would be Boy Swallows Universe or Everything I Know About Love or Shuggy Bane. Right. Okay. Those are, that's three books. But that's actually, that's pretty good. Really. That's top three. Yeah. Couldn't choose. No, that works. They're like children. What about you? I like that. Um, I would say um, my favourite like grown-up book is probably... Uh, Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro. Um, but my favourite overall book is probably Dogger by Shirley Hughes. Oh. Yeah, touches my heart. Um, we are asking this of one another, though, of course, because of a moment in Tuesday night's political leaders' debate that will go down in infamy, uh, particularly in literary circles in New Zealand, when uh, moderator Jessica Much Mackay asked each of the candidates that question, what is your favourite book? And their responses were... Favourite book... Uh, the Inner Mind of Tennis is what I'm sort of reading at the moment. Hmm. Yeah. No, to be honest, I don't get to read much non uh, fiction or non-fiction. All right. Uh, which was just disgraceful from my point mm. of view, Mo. I don't mm. know how you felt about it. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's got to be one. Come on. Like, uh, uh, yeah. But also, like, it, it kind of, it, it sort of annoyed me because I feel like... This is actually quite an interesting non-political question. It, like, it is a tough question to answer on the spot, especially when you've been swatting up on hard-hitting questions all week. So we thought it'd be fun to get a writer on to chat about the right way to answer the question. What's your favourite book, if you've ever been asked? So we gave Rachel King a bell. Rachel's an award-winning novelist living in Christchurch, and she's here now. Thanks so much for joining us. Hello. Nice to be here. So what did you make of the two candidates' answers? So I, I was disappointed with the answers, mainly because I like to know what people are reading and what books they love, because it does say a lot about a person, I think. But I really sympathised with them, because if somebody had fired that at me, I probably would have drawn a blank, actually. I'm also a little bit suspicious of people who have a favourite book mm. mm-hmm. as well, because... 
to me, that means you probably don't read very much. Right. If you had 10 books and asked to pick your favourite, then that would be easy. But if you've read hundreds and hundreds, I just, yeah, I feel like you couldn't possibly have a favourite one unless you stopped reading at the age of 23 when you were <laughs> university. Once you'd found it, um, you're like, that's it, doesn't get better than that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and also it shows a, maybe a lack of curiosity as well about mm. about new things and about what are out there. So to me, favourites should should be changing all the time. Really. Although Chris Hopkins did later tell the spin-off he liked to read a bit of trash, his words, not mine, uh, something like The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown. That was a bit of a surprise to me. I think what you want from people, are people who do like reading trash, but also who like reading things that are a bit more chewy, I suppose. You know, I think, I think having a leader who, who embraces all styles of literature is much preferable over somebody who just has a very narrow view of what reading is and can be. Uh, Rachel, finally on this, come and step into my time machine. We're taking a trip into the future. It's September 2026. Independent candidate Rachel King is ahead in the polls. It's debate night with moderator Emile Donovan. Hello. And he hits you with the old favourite book question. What are you saying? Penguin History of New Zealand. Oh, there we go. That is a lovely answer by your father. Rachel King, that was a lovely chat. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcasts. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, we've got a great one to win the show on today. Um, we are tapping into Imogen's love of fat bears. Go on. Uh, here is the headline. Bears raid a Krispy Kreme donut van making deliveries on an Alaskan military base. Get them! <laughs> Eat uh, up! Yeah. Eat big! Glorious. It's all there. It's one of the great headlines <laughs> in human history. I'm going to read some of the story. It's from the AP at uh, the Associated Press. Uh, <clears throat> the driver usually left his doors open when he stopped at the store, but this time a sow and one of her cubs that loitered nearby sauntered inside. Great <gasps> verb choice there. Where they stayed for probably 20 minutes, the bears chomped on donut holes and other pastries, ignoring the bangs on the side of the band <laughs> that were aimed at showing them away. Then it goes on to say, the bears eventually came out, wandered around for a bit before heading back into the woods, presumably with a bit of a sugar high going on too. I just, just amazing. And do you know what I reckon they're doing? Tell me. I would be willing to bet big bucks they're prepping for this year's Fat Bear Week yeah. at that Alaska National Park we've already talked about before. You know, the one with the live streaming cameras that, that saved the hiker? Yeah. Yeah. The date for Fat Bear Week this year has not formally been set. How does Imogen know this, you may ask? I have been emailing the head ranger because I'm obsessed with this story. I was not going to ask that. I assumed that was the reason why you knew. Yeah. Anyway, I reckon Mama Bear and Bubba Bear here have decided to take no chances and said they're just carb-loading now. Yeah, and good on so, them. So that they can win yeah. and then be all, all chonky-chonky-chonk for the hibernation. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail, and on that inspiring note... 
That is Newsball for today. I'm Emil Donovan. And I'm Imogen Wells. Chonk out. Chomp down some donuts. Go on. Be a fat bear. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz slash support. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, well, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. No, that I think it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah we're, well, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there. On. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.